our employees rallied. I mean, they rallied and knowing firsthand how we are impacting patients' lives, I think engagement just went through the roof. I will be honest. I mean, I don't know that you can prevent 100% from employees being burned out, but I think we've spent a lot of time talking about it, both with our leaders as well as employees. We've tried a couple of different things. One is we've said we encourage people to take vacation. And that may sound basic, but when you're in the middle of a pandemic, there's this fear that, well, I can't take off. I can't take a single day off, a single minute off. And that is not sustainable. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bodkiss. My guest today is Bridget Boyle of Roche Diagnostics. Bridget was named People and Culture Business Partner Enterprise Diagnostics North America in January 2021, reporting directly to Roche's CEO and President Matt Saus. She is based out of the company's Indianapolis headquarters and is a member of the Diagnostics U.S. leadership team. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. Excited to be here today. So tell us about your path to leading people and culture at Roche. I have been in the HR industry for the last 25 years. I've really spent uh, the majority of my career with two organizations, uh, the first being J.P. Morgan for about 14 years. And then since uh, 2007, I've been with Roche and I have had various leadership roles within both organizations and really fell in love with the HR business partner role and have spent the last, say, 10, 15 years of my career supporting leaders and focusing on people and culture and talent topics. Well, Roche obviously has been in the news a lot during the pandemic for creating some key tests. Can you tell us a little bit about those tests? I mean, it is it is just amazing when I reflect on what we've accomplished as an organization over the last 12 months. We were the first organization globally to come out with a, a PCR test for commercial use. This is really the gold standard of COVID testing. And so our primary customers have been in the large reference lab or um, large hospitals. And what we do on our instruments is when we say for commercial use, our instruments, depending on which instrument, can test anywhere between, say, 380 or over 1,000 tests in an eight-hour shift. And so that was really the goal is how can we make the biggest impact in patients' lives the quickest and the most accurate? Well, you've certainly made a very large impact on patients' lives, but developing and distributing those tests, that could not have been an easy feat, especially not with all the COVID restrictions in place. And somehow, (laughs) you improved Roche's retention rate from an already high 90% in 2019 to a staggering 93% in 2020. I would love it if you could take me through how you achieved this, starting with the very beginning of the pandemic. 
Yeah, it is amazing. Again, when you think about how did we improve retention during um, a pandemic, but I will tell you, our employees rallied. I mean, they rallied and, and knowing firsthand how we are impacting patients' lives, I think um, engagement just went through the roof. Pride went through the roof. And every person, no matter what their job was, was able to connect back to what am I doing and how is it impacting our ability to get tests out the door to impact patients' lives and, and improve patients' lives from the creation of the tests, from you know the R&D side, from the supply chain side, from the manufacturing side. And what we quickly realized is we had to separate our employees into two groups. We had to say, who were those that were essential, meaning essential either on campuses that needed to be either in manufacturing, supply chain, distribution, warehouse, or those that were essential in the field, calling on customers and ensuring that our instruments are up and running and and servicing and, and running tests. So once we determined who was essential, we said, now, what do we need to do to take care of those employees? So they have, they're safe, they have what they need, and they're well taken care of. And that's really what started our conversations as HR leaders with business leaders to say what's absolutely necessary to take care of our people. We talked about how do we feed them? How do we make sure that, you know, that, that they feel that they are the most essential employees for our organization? Do they feel the love? Do they, do they feel that they have what they need? Do they have safe environments at work? Do their families have what they need? And so we really just broke it down and, and tried to cover every single aspect to make sure they were taken care of. And I'm sure there were some people within the organization that didn't feel so safe coming to work once the pandemic hit. What did you do for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will tell you the one thing. So our tenure is is very high at Roche. The average tenure is over 10 years. And we also have long tenure means that we have employees that are anywhere between 40, 50, 60 years old. Some of them have underlying health conditions. And the last thing we wanted is for anyone to feel that they needed to put their lives at risk if they had underlying health conditions. And so what we said is our senior most leaders in Switzerland made a commitment that we would not impact people's pay or we would not impact jobs as a result of COVID. And so once we announced that, that was the the first where people could kind of take a deep breath and say, okay, Then we said, go talk to your healthcare provider and figure out a plan for what you need to take care of you. And so we offered what was called intermittent paid leave for people that had those underlying health conditions that couldn't physically come into work, even if they were deemed as essential. They received full pay the entire time that they were on intermittent paid leave, whether it was for a few weeks or a few months. That's incredible because that was not the case in a lot of other companies. You mentioned that you thought about how to feed your essential employees. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, I mean, our essential employees on campus, they are working, you know, anywhere between, say, eight, 10 hour shifts. And the last thing we wanted is for them to have to leave to go get lunch or to move buildings, you know, go to cafeterias and things like that. So we said, why don't we bring them food every day? And so why don't we bring them food that's prepackaged, again, for safety reasons, make sure they have all the food and the water that they need. And so our partner, our on-site partner through Aramark started packaging, you know, prepackaged foods for all of our on-site essential employees. And those were delivered to all the buildings where we had our individuals working, made it really easy, tried to bring diversity of meals so that people weren't getting burned out on the same thing. And I will tell you, everyone that was involved in that said, 
how do we continue to focus on the employee experience? It's not just about feeding them. It's about, you know, it's the experience that they're having every day. Imagine one of the things that Roche did before the pandemic was pulse surveys to see how satisfied and engaged they were. How did the frequency of those or the questions you asked on those change once the pandemic hit? I mean, that's a great question because we don't typically do pulse surveys. We're a, a you know a massive international organization with upwards of 100,000 people globally. And so what we've done in the past is we would do um, what we call a global employee opinion survey. We would do that, say, every couple of years just to say, how are we doing in some key areas? We knew in 2020 that that wasn't going to work. We needed real-time information. So what we did is we did do a pulse survey in April. Uh, So we were about a month into the pandemic. And we said, there are a couple of areas that we really want to go deep on. And that is are people getting burned out? What's the, sta- the state of mental health within our employees? How are they doing juggling family and work? How are they doing physically? And so those, you know, or, and do, how do they feel? Do they feel connected? Many, you know, hundreds of thousands of people working remotely for an extended period of time, do they still feel connected to their leaders or colleagues and to our mission? So those are the questions that we asked. Amazingly, the the feedback that we got for our part of the organization was extremely positive. We had very high response rate. Over 90% of people felt that they were being taken care of, felt that they were safe. But we did get some good information that says people are, are really struggling with juggling family and work demands. The fitness routines that people had established had just completely gone out the window and there was a lot of stress and anxiety because remember, it's, it's, you know, the pandemic, it's the political environment that all of that combined was just creating a lot of stress. And so we got some very valuable information that then helped shape what other programs were we going to offer. So I'm glad you brought up working parents because I'm a working parent. And yes, during the pandemic, those caregiving responsibilities, once schools shut down, it was really hard to get your job done. What did you do for the parents at Roche? And the other caregivers. Yeah, this was, I mean, this was a really big pain point. And so we knew we had to do, we had to go above and beyond to provide some relief. And so we approached it in two different ways. One was what are the programs and and benefits that we can offer? And then what's the culture we want to create? And how do we want to establish what's okay, you know, and, and take the taboo things off the table. So the first thing around programs is we said, look, some of you are dealing with infants and toddlers running around behind you as you're on Zoom calls. And you're trying to balance all this. So what we will do is we will offer up to 20 days for those that are non-essential that are working from home, where we would reimburse up to $100 a day if, if they wanted to bring in childcare or even in some cases, those dealing with elder care parents will pay you up to $100 for you to find other care to just offload the, the burden, the financial burden. That was well received. For our essential employees, we said, we'll do this for up to 35 days. So it's, it wasn't meant to cover every single day, but for when you're really in a pinch and you need support, we wanted to make sure that was available to them. The other thing that we offered is intermittent paid time off. So if people just you know said, hey, I can't, I, I need to take the next three days off because I've got this going on. We said, that's fine. Here's the, here's the way to go about doing that and protecting your pay. And then last but not least, we need as a level set everyone that, hey, everyone is doing what they can to get by and to survive. And so if you have kids and dogs barking in the background, don't worry about it. 
if you need to say, hey, I need to, I need to get out of this meeting early because I need to drive my kids to school, don't worry about it. Do what you need to do to take care of your family. And, and, and then leaders, we said, we need to cut everyone a break and show grace and show understanding and show patience. And the beauty of this is that since everyone was dialing into meetings from Zoom or from Google Hangouts, it, it humanizes everyone. No matter what your level is in the organization, you know, you see people in sweatshirts and ponytails and again, kids running in the background, dogs barking. And it really helped um, just make everyone so much more approachable. So I've read about the applause points, the program that you had offered. Tell me a little bit about what that is and how did that program change during the pandemic? We do have a very robust recognition program that we call the applause program. And it is the ability to send online e-cards or points and points equal dollars. And it can be a colleague to colleague, leader to employee, and it's a global program. And really in the past, it's been used as anyone that's gone above and beyond that you just want to say thank you, either just a card or financially uh, using points. Well, so we said, you know, never have we ever used applause as a mass program. But in this case, we felt that there were groups of employees who were really just, you know, walking into the eye of the storm every day, every week, or who were just coming in, continuing to come in, you know, through through the entire pandemic, showing up every day. And so we said, how do we say thank you? And so we started, you know, we came up with some um, a plan to say, either on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or quarterly, we want to do a, a grant of these applause points and deposit it into our employees' accounts just to say, we haven't forgotten about the price that you're paying every day. That was very well received. For those employees who had to travel during all of this, what did you do for them to make them feel safe and appreciated? Yeah, I mean, we still we still have those employees going, going into hospitals and, and laboratories and reference labs. We asked, what do you need? What's the biggest challenge for you? And what we found is that if there's any way that we can make their life easier, one of the things is we're going to allow them to fly business class or first class because we want them to know you are first class in our minds. What you're doing, again, is above and beyond. However, we can make it easy for early boarding, early exiting, having kind of that room around you. We did that. And then we also have them expense all their meals while they're traveling, obviously expense hotels. We asked, you know, what else do we need? Do we need to, do you need help uh, with house cleaning services since you're on the road so much? I mean, we were really saying, you tell us what will really help relieve some of that stress and anxiety for you and your family, and we'll put it on the table. That kind of support must have been so appreciated, but I have to guess that these people were working a lot. There were some very important things that had to get done. So how did you prevent employees from burning out? It's a huge topic. And I, I will be honest. I mean, I don't know that you can prevent 100% you know, from employees being burned out. But I think we've spent a lot of time talking about it, both with our leaders as well as employees. We've tried a couple of different things. One is we've said we encourage people to take vacation. And that may sound basic, but when you're in the middle of a pandemic, there's this fear that, well, I can't take off. I can't take a single day off, a single minute off. And, and that is not sustainable. And so we had to remind everyone, no matter what your role is, you need to take time off. And so we encouraged people to take a minimum of five days for the first half of the year. That was just the minimum that we said, please make sure you do this. We also recognized that there were pockets of, of employees that just couldn't because of what they were doing. And so we said, normally we have where if you don't start taking vacation 
you know, it stops accruing over time. And we said, well, we don't want you to be penalized if you, if you really can't take it because you're taking care of our customers. So we, we allowed them to continue to accrue days. And then we also gave a company holiday, an extended holiday right before the 4th of July weekend. And I will tell you the reason why that was so well received is because the majority of the organization took the same two days off. That means text messages, phone calls, emails were to a minimum, and everyone just took a deep breath over those that long weekend. And it was so needed. Those that couldn't, because again, because their jobs, you know, I mean, we, we, we're 24-7 taking care of our customers and those instruments. And we said, we'll give you two days to put in your bank. You use them whenever you can, but we want you to use them when you can. And then I think the last thing that we did is role modeling. Your senior most leaders, you know, saying things like, I'm going to not book any meetings this Friday afternoon because I just want to go take a walk with my family. I need to decompress. The message is like, it's okay. Do what you need to do to to take care of yourself. So mental health apps exploded in 2020 and companies were offering more than ever to their employees. Did Roche offer any of these to their employees? We absolutely did. In fact, uh, we have we have a couple that I'll share that um, are really interesting that have received a lot of positive feedback. One of them is called Mequilibrium, and it is a resiliency building tool. And so, for example, I signed up with Mequilibrium. I filled out a profile based on what I'm dealing with, what my interests are, my strengths and development areas. Every morning I get up and the app pops on my phone and it says, let's track your mood today. How are you feeling? Depending on how I answer, it'll share with me breathing exercises, meditation exercises, inspirational quotes. And it really just is a great way to just bring your mind back to how do I take care of myself and how do I make sure I'm in the right mindset? We also uh, have an agreement with Sleepio, which is another tool that uh, helps employees get a better night's sleep, especially in the midst of a lot of stress and anxiety. And we're trying to say there's, there's got to be a better way than medication to help people sleep soundly and to stay asleep. And so we have that tool available. And then something that is it's not necessarily an app, but it is a well-established program that we went even further with last year. And that is our partnership with Lyra for virtual counseling sessions. We offer all of our employees and their immediate family members up to 25 sessions free per year. And then the opportunity that those sessions, future sessions, will also be counted as in-network within United Healthcare. So all they pay is the copay. We added more counselors. There's 24-7 support. And so that just exploded for us last year. I bet. And I loved what you said about the leaders modeling, that they were taking time off, that they're all using these apps. How did communication between leaders and the workforce change once you were in the midst of the pandemic? This is one of my favorite aha moments, I think. And so in the past, we would have town halls, but maybe they were quarterly town halls and it was a big production and the leaders would stand on stage and it would be somewhat formal. What we learned is, hey, in the middle of a pandemic, that doesn't work anymore. And so we need a lot more frequent communication. And so we moved to every other week town halls and these were virtual town halls, very low, not high production. I mean, it was really just the leaders getting on our Zoom calls and talking. How are we doing? How's the business doing? How are we taking care of patients? How are we making an impact in the world? And then we would have employee stories that were shared. And again, the beauty of it is our boxes on Zoom are all the same size. 
people are in jeans and t-shirts. Our CEO, you know, you can hear Rusty, his, his dog barking in the background. It humanizes everyone. It just makes everyone so real. We had the ability for employees to submit live questions. We would answer those questions. And the feedback that we've gotten and continue to get is they have never felt more connected to Roche, to our mission, to our leaders because of the lack of formality and just the realness of it and and the frequency. That authenticity goes a long way with making people feel connected and feel like they're a part of it and also feeling mentally healthy. How did Roche keep the employees physically healthy too? It's really hard when everyone is virtual, right? So on our Indianapolis campus, we have a beautiful fitness center that, you know, when times are normal, um, the fitness center is full any given time you go in. And we have a fitness director, we have classes, we have instructors. And so what we said is just because people aren't physically there, what can we do to still stay connected? And so our fitness director and his team have come up with some programs that um, can be targeted one-on-one live sessions, coaching sessions. They can be group classes uh, that you can just, you know, join in watching uh, virtually we have a registered dietitian on staff who does uh, eating plans for our employees and their families. And we have a wellness center where staff with a registered nurse and a team of people that will help connect everything, fitness, wellness, so just overall health. And so all of that has continued with it being virtually. And what about testing for COVID and vaccines to prevent COVID? Did Roche get involved in that way for their employees? Yes, we did. Absolutely. So in November, we made COVID testing available for our employees. What we've said is that, you know, in addition to those that are essential that are on campus, we gave them the the plan for here's how you go and get a COVID test simply, easily with quick results. And then for those in the field, we gave them uh, the ability to do home testing. And so we contracted with a company where we would have tests shipped to their home. And we said, You test when you feel you need to test for whatever reason based on who you're calling on, but we're making this available to you at no cost. So we did do that Uh, with vaccines. We have now gotten upwards of 200 to 250 of our employees vaccinated, and we're following the state guidelines to say, who who do we put first in terms of priority? Those are the, the individuals that are servicing our molecular tests and training our molecular new hires. So all of them have been prioritized. And what we said is, If you so choose, you want to be vaccinated, we're going to give you the path to do that. We offered the antibody test for all of our employees. We made that available at no charge. We had several of our employees take advantage of that. And we all still needed our flu shots during all this. How did Roche handle that? We actually did a drive-through flu shot. We had those opportunities on our campus. And so employees would fill up the car with their family members and do the drive-through. Everyone got their flu shot. And uh, that was very well received as well. That is a very efficient way to do it. Everything we've discussed so far clearly speaks to how you've managed to increase retention rates, but you also had to be recruiting during all of this. I'm very curious to understand how did your recruitment efforts change during the pandemic? You know, what's crazy is before covid we would kick around the idea of hiring 100% virtually, but we always said, well, like, it, it'll never happen. No, we definitely need to meet these candidates. Well, guess what? You get really creative when you have to. And so since 
March of 2020, we've hired over 900 people virtually, meaning in most cases, those 900 people we've never even met. And so we have leveraged tools for video interviewing. We have gotten really good about, you know, who needs to meet with these individuals? What are the competencies that we need to zero in on? Never losing fact of what's the candidate experience along the way. And, you know, we've, we've just modified all of our recruiting and onboarding processes to accommodate for that virtual experience. A lot of companies canceled their summer internship programs because they just thought it was not good. It's not going to be easy to run something like that. How did Roche approach internships during the pandemic? This was another decision I'm really proud of. And we honored the, the summer internship program. And we said, look how hard we have uh, worked to get these individuals. We, you know, the year before we had already extended offers for the summer internship. We said, most companies around us are canceling the entire thing. We would lose out on the ability to connect with this talent for future roles. How can we keep the program? So the, the question wasn't, do we cancel or not? The question was, how do we build a virtual program that will still allow us to get to know these talents and allow them to get to know us and, and have them really you know, do meaningful work? over the summer. And so there were a lot of people involved in that plan. But amazingly, we offered a full summer internship experience. In addition, we had a virtual, what we call uh, IndieFluence. We maintained our IndieFluence Day, which is a partnership with other companies in the city where interns do a give back opportunity and they get to know about the city. They get to know about the other companies. We we continued all of that virtually. That's great. And it's already time to be thinking about summer 2021 internships. How is Roche handling this summer's internship class? I believe that it's going to be another virtual program. And so what we've told our employees is that we think the earliest that employees could start to come back to campus would be July. And and so I just think it would be for consistency for these students. I think we'll just plan on it being virtual, but we are absolutely having a summer internship program. That's great to hear. And how are you finding these interns for summer 2021 when you can't recruit the in-person way you might have done before? Well, we are, again, we're getting really creative around the partnerships. And I think it just really turns everything on its head when you think about, do you have to physically meet someone in order to teach them about your organization, your culture, and share the opportunities? And the answer is no. So, you know, we have a partnership with Ascend uh, here in Indianapolis that's focused on uh, workforce development and connection to college students. So we leverage them and their recruiters and our team of recruiters, and we're able to cast a much wider net across a lot of universities, you know, that normally we wouldn't have even been able to get to. And we experienced that just in looking at the class of interns that we had this past summer. I mean, it was extremely diverse from lots of different schools. So we're definitely going to continue that practice. And was that a change? Was this a more diverse class than it usually was because of casting that wider net? Absolutely. And we're going to continue to do that. And we still we still um, have great relationships with the, the big colleges and universities in the Midwest. And then we'll just continue to expand that. So let's go back to the full-time employees. Obviously, they still need performance management. And I imagine that Roche has a robust assessment program when they're figuring out who qualifies for promotions and raises. Did 
the fact that everything was so stressful this year have any effect on the performance management process and the review process? Yeah, I think that we took a very practical approach and I so appreciate the ability to kind of hold this loosely. You know, so we we recognize again, it all goes back to if you start with everyone has has good intentions and if you start with everyone cares, but you have no idea what people were facing in 2020, it, you know, again, with family challenges, health challenges, stress. And so what we said is, let's just assume that our employees, all of them did the best job that they could do. And we, you know, we say, hey, that's valued. That's a valued contribution. Let's assume everyone is valued. There are going to be some exceptions on the high end where, wow, given everything, what this person balanced, we're going to rate them as exceptional. And these are the reasons why. But I think you really, we just had a very light touch to say, assume that everyone did what they could and, and have that factor into the rating. And then also let's reduce the burden on our employees and our leaders at end of year. Normally we would ask for managers to write an employee assessment of how the person did and be you know, pretty detailed. The employee would write his or her self-assessment. So what we said to leaders and employees is focus on the conversation, have the, have the connection, have the conversation. Leaders ask the employee to tell you about their experience in 2020. How was it for them? What are they most proud of? What challenged them the most? But focus on that connection and less on needing to put in all of this documentation and how that was very well received as well. And I have a feeling that that might likely impact what we do going forward with maybe a lighter touch. I'm sure employees will greatly appreciate the lighter touch. So did people still get promoted even though there was that lighter touch? Absolutely. Yeah. And when I say lighter touch, what I meant was just reduce the burden of documents and forms and things like that, reduce that burden, but, you know, increase the connection, increase the discussion. Believe it or not, the pandemic did not um, hamper our ability to promote those most deserving employees. And so our promotion rate actually went up in 2020 by 6%. And so we had uh, 389 promotions last year. That's impressive. Yeah, we're extremely proud about that. It's just so reassuring to hear that even though the employees are going through such a difficult time, they still have the opportunity to keep going, keep progressing in their careers. So that must have been very appreciated by the employees to see that they can still get promoted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, that, that's a very important part of our career development. And you know, ensuring that people are those that want to take on broader responsibilities and broader roles, those that want to step into leadership. We have always had a lot of success filling the majority of our roles with internal candidates. And, you know, we can, we'll continue to do that. So you made all these changes, you tried new things, you expanded existing programs. What were the biggest takeaways for you as the head of HR? Wow. Biggest takeaways. I think I touched on it, but the the frequency of the the town halls or the employee engagement sessions, you don't need a lot of, you don't need it to be a dog and pony show. You don't need the formal stage and the fancy PowerPoint presentations. All you need is real talk. You need access to leaders and the leaders need to be authentic and they just need to share real, real live updates and, and, and show that they're human too. That to me was, I think I knew that, but really didn't live it and experience it and see it until last year. 
And then I think the second piece is, is if you find yourself saying, oh, we could never do that. That would never work. No way could we have, you know, all of our hiring and onboarding being be done virtually. I would challenge you to say, if you were forced to, if you had no other choice, you would find a way. And so maybe the question is, how do we do this? How can we turn this on its head rather than, you know, saying we could never do this? I'd like to end with the idea that Roche is a mission-based organization. And there are so many other companies who are also based in a mission. I would love your advice for these other companies on how they can clearly connect their mission to the employee's work to keep employees engaged and satisfied. Share real stories about how your organization is impacting patients' lives. Who's at the end of your product or service? Talk about those individuals and the impact. Because we did that so much more than maybe what we normally do. Last year, we did it so much. And it was with frequency and the, and the stories that really brought it to life. I'm telling you, no matter what somebody did at Roche, they would end those meetings and they would say, I know I'm making a difference. You know, whether I'm in the cafeteria pre, making the prepackaged lunches, I know I'm making a difference because I'm taking care of the people that are picking and packing the tests to go out around the country. I mean, it was a, a huge uniter for us and a huge engagement builder. And it's something that we need to continue and will continue. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for taking the time today to walk us through all the ways that Roche took those extra steps to keep employees happy and doing great work. And the world is going to benefit because you went above and beyond for your workforce. So thank you for that. And thank you again for talking to the talent economy. Oh, thank you. Thanks for including me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Meredith Bodkiss. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptal.com slash insights, hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.